tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. stay with us here on PM Express. As you know, this is an election year, but we, there is an economy that is still in crisis, as you know. And we are an IMF program. And the, in the last uh, few days, there have been some good news because we reached some form of agreement in principle with our standard bilateral creditors. But that doesn't tell the whole story because, as you know, we are in an election year. We are under an IMF program. We're going to look at the prospects, and this is looking really into the crystal ball. In election years, a lot happened. And I'm delighted that I'll be joined by the last finance minister to supervise an economy, which was also in dire straits at the time, not as serious as now, though, while also navigating a period of elections. And that's him. He's a tech man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Yes, Mr. Techback, great to have you join us. And the reason why I brought him in, because I am very curious to learn from him. If you are a finance minister in an election year with an IMF in town and an IMF program, your government wants to win elections. That is fundamental. So 
The IMF too make, wants to make sure that you comply with the program dictates. How do you juggle both to ensure that you keep the economy afloat and meet the requirements that the IMF will impose on you, but also at the same time, also satisfy the cravings of your own government, of your own party as a finance minister? It is not a place I want to be, and I don't really envy the finance minister. The only person who's been there, at least that we know in the last uh, you know, uh, two election cycles, is Seth Tekba. He was there in 2016, similar circumstances, not as dire. I will ask him that question. I want him to share that with me first. Well, how did he manage that? And then we'll get into the specifics. But there are a few things to clear. There's a few house rules to clear before we can get into um, those, those details. And one of the things I want to quickly do um, in, in examining this uh, here is the subject of the IMF program and where we are with our debt restructuring. As we know, this is what we, we want to do uh, with, the, with, the, with, with our external debt. It's, it's fundamentally about debt, right? We have 30 billion total external debt, out of which 20 billion is earmarked for restructuring. So this is what we're focusing on right now. And as you've seen, we've had a great conversation with our external bilateral uh, debt holders and this is 5.4 billion. It's just a debt moratorium. It's very important. What it means in essence is that <clears throat> this deal we've struck with our China and others is not as safe. They are forgiving us our debt. They're simply saying, pay it later. And from the conversations we've had, it is seven years. Remember that this will have to track back though to 2021, which means in essence we have four more years before we begin to pay what we owe. So what in essence has happened is that whoever wins the 2024 elections this year would have some three years within which you all not, not pay, but in your final year in 2028, you will have to begin to have the conversation around going back to pay. So we have kicked the kind down the line, but it gives us breathing space. So that is debt moratorium of $5.4 billion. But then, once we clear this hurdle, and there's a lot of conversation still to be had here, this 5.4 billion, the question is, are we going to get all of this? Because, of course, each country will have to uh, now begin to have conversations with our China in particular and others to say, we owe you X amount. And China is one of the biggest you know, uh, countries we owe. What do you want to do for us on there? We want to possibly have in there some form of an arrangement that also says that interest will also be forgiven. So that's a big conversation. But the more complex one is what we're going to have with our commercial creditors, which is the Eurobond holders, right, of 14.6 million. That's the biggest chunk of the debt. And as you see, it's uh, the proposal. The last time we spoke to the Deputy Finance Minister way back, he had given us a sense that they will propose a 30% haircut. But some have said it could be as high as 40% on what we owe the uh, Eurobond, uh, you know, commercial creditors. They... Bilateral creditors don't want to talk about haircut. I mean, right? So as you've seen there, it just. A, but that is this is where the key conversation is going to be going forward. And if you break it down further, I mean, this whole focus of, on the official creditor committee, where China has been one of the countries giving us a bit of a headache, is bilateral official. Then you also have you know it's broken down into this ECA back commercial creditors such as the. Um, the cocoa board, you know, the gold for the cocoa board to syndicate a loan that will come into play. All that. Put together, you have the numbers here, 18% of the external debt stock, and then you have 27% of the restructuring parameter that we are looking at. So, so huge numbers. 
I don't want to really bore you with much of those integrities. Just to just give you a sense of the next big deal. The next big deal, obviously, to talk about the commercial creditors. That's what we need to have a conversation with. And I know that the finance minister and his team will be in London meeting the bondholders. Right? They talk to the bondholders locally. That's what we saw with the domestic debt exchange. There's a whole different kettle of fish uh, dealing with this um, bondholders who hold on to our, our bonds. They're giving us money, and they're very, very desperate to hold on to what they have and not get a haircut. So these negotiations will be tough. Franklin Temple thing and others, uh, as you know, are, are major investors. They represent private companies, private individuals who are putting money, and they want something back. So we expect this to be tough. But the finance minister wants to also leverage his relationship uh, when he used to be a banker then. Uh, as you know, this controversy around Franklin Temple thing. He may be leveraging that together as a deal. But then we also have the non-insured uh, you know, commercial banks in there. But they hold, from what I understand from the sources we've been talking to, these banks don't hold much. A bulk of the amount that we need to negotiate is here with the, with the bondholders. But look at how big that is. 48% of the extent of that stock is what we need to be looking at. But then the big question really is, even if the IMF gives us the money that we require, the gap will be there in terms of the balance of payment gap. And remember that we've gone to the IMF fundamentally to get a balance of payment support. And we need to find other means of bridging this gap. So, for example, 2024, the gap will be $2.2 billion, even if we get all that we need. And that's why the debt restructuring, it is absolutely critical. The bulk of it in 2025 is what will come up in 3.2 billion. Whoever wins elections will have to deal with this. Right? So the negotiations will be key. It's not only about this year. It's about who wins the elections 2025 and the economy that they meet and what they will have to do uh, when, when they meet that, that economy. So again, <clears throat> we expectations against what we get. We were actually expecting 2023 to get some 2.2, 1.2 billion. That didn't come, right? We know that the actual disbursement was 600 million. That is the delay we've seen that has entered into 2024. With this deal now struck with the external bilateral, we expect the unlocking of the 600 million, and then the World Bank money and others will come in. So this is this is good news, right? The finance minister has told us, and you hear that interview exclusively on Thursday on PMX's business edition. That with the money coming in, we can expect the projects to resume, right? And election year, that is going to be very important, right? That is going to be absolutely very important. Once the projects resume, you see projects underway in your constituency, and you expect the politicians to go back and say, well, we are doing a lot of work for you in spite of the economic conditions that we are currently facing. But you have this breakdown of what we expect to come. So there is money going to come in, but it's tied, from what we understand, that is money coming directly to the government, right, to, to use, and the finance has assured you can see projects. Timing is great. You know, the thing I really want to focus on is this graph here. Because we've tended over the years to overspend in election years, right? And if you see the trend here, and, and this is 2000th election year, we did some $756 billion in terms of what we expend. The expenditure was huge. But come to 2020, and you talk about uh, some 96 billion. That's that's quite a significant amount of money, right? That we now we're expecting because of the IMF discipline, some 226 million uh, CDs. But this next graph tells us the big picture of the discipline that the finance minister must have this year, because if you look at the historical trends in 2012, 
which is an election year. Um, yeah, we're not on that IMF program, and we the spending there is what you see, which is some you know in the region of some 10, 10 billion. But if you come to twenty sixteen, which is an election year, which where the Tekpe was uh, the finance minister at the time, the IMF was in town, so we were largely in check. And twenty two thousand and four has been celebrated in one of the years where we really kept ourselves in check. Um, although it was an election year. 2016, IMF was in town. We did it. We kept ourselves in check. 2020 is a major outlier. See where we are in terms of spending. That gap between there and here is part of the reason why the economy had tanked, right? Because of what we spent in that election year. Now we are facing another election year. The IMF in town wielding the cane over us. We're going to get some money. How do you spend that money responsibly? Not necessarily to propagate an election and to win, but for the good thing, the things that will really help the economy improve. So whoever wins meets an economy. Remember the former president has said that uh, when, when he, if he wins, he's expecting to see an economy which is in dastries and is asking the labor unions to give him some time. But this question about the, the election year economy is going to be key because like, historically we haven't done well in election years in, in really in spending. And 2020 is, is, is a classic example of that. When I return from the break, Setepe will, will have a conversation with me. And I'm also going to bring in political risk analyst Thieu Champon and then uh, Professor Goffred Bokwe into the conversation as well on this election year economy, which is ailing, as you know. You have an IMF in town. Is it a good thing that we do? But how do we look it into crystal ball? What are the prospects? But how do we keep this spending in check so that we don't make an already complex bad problem worse in 2025, regardless of who wins elections. There's a lot to chew on as we look forward to Friday when the IMF executive board is going to meet. Big day for Ghana indeed, because we're, we're desperate to get that money. We'll not only unlock $600 million, we'll unlock far more than that. The IMF, the World Bank money will also come in. Stay with me as we begin to dissect this after this. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. Well, it's further into spiral. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to demonstrate to you the superior properties of flamingo paint as compared to other paint brands on the market. We take equal quantities of flamingo paint 
and vest ordinary paint. We then dilute them with water. And now, let the test begin. The gentleman on the left is going to apply the ordinary paint. And the gentleman on my right will use the Flamingo Superior paint. As you can clearly see, Flamingo has the obvious better hiding. Furthermore, Flamingo has painted a much larger area. You know, one bucket of Flamingo paint is equal to several buckets of any other paint brand on the market. Flamingo paint is made with superior formulation to give superior durability, superior hiding, superior coverage. Flamingo paint, simply superior. Whiskey. Wash All of a sudden, my voice I hear different. And when you try a call, Bama, bring me the honey whiskey. You know the one? Black Rock Whiskey. Honey Whiskey. Shale, honey, my dear Frau. Black Rock Whiskey is strong. Now, so taste me is smooth. And it goes down easy. Excuse me. Bama! Bama! Bring my friend one Black Rock Whiskey. Black Rock Whiskey, blended with natural honey flavor. Black Rock Whiskey can be a feeling smoothness, no? Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18 years of age and not recommended for pregnant women. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Across Africa, a new... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Era has begun. Shifting our focus to a new horizon. Connecting us with one purpose. To create and share opportunities to grow.
Today, we are making a brighter tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. EcoBank, a better way, a better Africa. Blessing, you know of any good medical school I can take of you to? Oh, Fifi, is that why you're looking all moody? And I have some good news for you. The College of Medicine and Allied Sciences, COMAS, Accra, Ghana, is a degree-awarding institution, and they offer Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery using the Graduate Entry Medical Programs, Bachelor of Diagnostic Imaging, and BSc Health Information Management. All these programs are accredited by GTEC. Their bilingual curriculum prepares you to consult in French. But I'm worried about admissions. Admissions are Ongoing. Contact us on Facebook or on Instagram at info.comas or call us on 0208-456-556 or send them an email info at comas.edu.gh. Comas, the citadel of a holistic professional medical education. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes to one! Who is the good? Ghana Jollof or Nigerian Jollof? Ghana Jollof has no co-equal. The smell alone. Oh my god. Oh, that shit. You two they lie, eh? Now they say you when they use Google and then they go put them for two. You are I know lives in Tama every year we they give to you back back, 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 back. we are talking about BET I want some Yadiyaji face except be the goat huh? my guy him be the goat Our choice of goats may differ in football, music, and jollof. Alumobitis always brings us together. Alumo. Put it on the card. Put it in the bag. These three bags used to be six. Seems like the only thing going up these days is your credit card balance. If only there were some place to turn. Just ask your home. It's got equity. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can use it to get cash quickly for whatever you need. Visit JustAskYourHome.com today. Call 1-800-863-4332 for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Experience greatness in every moment. Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18. Not recommended to pregnant women. This advert is FDA approved. Daddy? Daddy? This tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working tortoise on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. Well, it's further. It's That's not true. But why? Hey! Syntex <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. 
syntax tank. A strong, a tough. Syntex Tank is strong, it is tough. Alomo Bates experience greatness in every moment. Ghana AIDS Commission Syntex Tank is the tank that I always recommend for you because he has the uh, double layer tank, and now you can also have as many layers as you want. It is the first introduced white inner layer tanks in Ghana with new uh, aspects of, of what they do, which is bespoke because you can choose your color, you can choose your size uh, of, of, of tank that you, you require. Also, warranty wise, there are seven years, which is uh, one that uh, no other tank offers you in Ghana. So whatever your water consumption, size of project or demand, choose Syntex Tanks. We have uh, agents nationwide. Call them on 244 or shop online at SyntexGH.com. Uh, Syntex Tank, a strong, a tap. My guest, Dr. Tufilose Champo, is the, an economist and a political risk analyst. Also joining me is the uh, uh, Professor Goffer Bokwe, is an economist and professor of finance at the University of Ghana Business School. And as I've uh, pre-advertised, uh, Professor, uh, he's not Professor, he's a uh, tech based, a former finance minister. He joins us for a conversation. And I want to start with him, um, Mr. Techbe, for obvious reasons. Um, <clears throat> I, talking to you is obviously one because I, I like to, because obviously you've been there before. And, but now I want you to just strip off the, the, the economist in you and just talk to me about being a finance minister in an election year, under an IMF program, when your government wants to win the wants to win elections on December seventh, that is your story in twenty in twenty sixteen. How did you maneuver yes. that? How, how how difficult was it to maneuver that year? Uh, thank you very much um, uh, <clears throat> for the opportunity. Um, and let me say that the NDC is proud of its election year record in 2016. Uh, and let me attempt to give you, you know, some reasons. In the first place, the decision for the IMF program to overlap the election year was taken by the then president, you know, Mahama, who said he wanted to show that we could uh, continue with our fiscal discipline under the homegrown policy even under an IMF program. <clears throat> so I think that's one of the things we need to establish. It wasn't that was something that was imposed. Uh, secondly, you recall that in terms of performance, and I'm not going to go through all the numbers, we achieved zero financing in an election year. It meant that compared to what's you know, happened, uh, where we have been dependent on Bank of Ghana you know, largely for financing the deficit, uh, in recent times, we achieved zero financing. It was in an election year. Mm. And that's because we had other reforms. We had the Treasury Single Account reforms, the Gifts reforms, and others that brought, you know, the fiscal resources of the government under the firm control, you know, the government itself. You know, and so banks and others, you know, were not using as much of government resources as, as, as uh, was happening previously. But let's also, let's also remember that on the new basis, our, our debt to GDP ratio was 57%. Today is over 100%. And 56% was within the target B plus ratings target that we had set for ourselves in the homegrown policy, which is 
55% to 65%, you know, rating. So we ended the year, and let me emphasize on a new basis, which is what we are using anyway, uh, at 57%. Our deficit was not 10.3 or 8.3, as successfully the president himself yeah. admitted doing a SONA and the current minister for finance admitted. Our deficit was 6.1. Mm. And if you took in the discrepancy, uh, it was 5.8 because the discrepancy was positive. This is the best since the Fiscal Responsibility Act passed by this government. You know, uh, it's been the best. And it's very quite close to the 5%. And it was within, you know, the 7% range or so because we're supposed to be bringing it down, uh, which we achieved, which we achieved, you know, with the... Let me point to two things and then I'll... Okay, I'll, I'll, okay, quickly. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. interested in the personal story. Yes. Because yes, Ken of Rianta is going yes. to be attempting to do the same under similar, even more challenging circumstances. So I really want to hear how you manage. Because the things you said, yes, the evidence shows that you did that in an, elect, in an election year. Yes, but I, I am absolutely certain... It didn't. It wasn't something that was was done easily. The demands no. were there. The the demands from labor, even your own party and government, for you to spend must have been there. How did you manage and walk that fine line? What what, what were the unique challenges you faced personally? That can be a lesson. Of course, of course we had single spine, you know, and yes. we also had doom so. Yes. And then we had, you know, the presidents, you know, uh, and decided to just talk to them. I mean, talk to the people who are involved. Instead of borrowing, we were borrowing to be paying the single spine arrears. It's not sustainable. So you had to remember, you know, uh, uh, who? You know, we did a national presentation, media. I don't know if you were there. You know, to let people know the situation, that it was unsustainable. Um, we also had them solve the badge and other challenges came in. But, Babo, we had... We had serious challenges. We had done the 2016 budget in 2015 with a price of $99, right? By the time we're reading the, the budget, the food oil prices had slumped to close to $40 and it eventually fell to $35. Remember, we have to be bold and come to Parliament in an election year in March, you know, to trim, to trim that budget. We said we're going to do 200 e schools. Uh, President Mohammed said it couldn't be done. You know, otherwise we would we'll be hurting the economy. We trimmed it down to 120. We couldn't do the 120. We did barely 16. Some of the year schools are now in the bush. We had other things we were doing, like giftness, uh, which was doing the fiscal reforms. Remember, we had done revenue administration reforms and revenue policy reforms. We found all the tax laws, uh, send the window. Uh, so putting this on electronic platform. On the expenditure side, yes. We had to introduce electronic warrants. And the electronic warrants were embedded in gifts. And what it meant was simple. Our ministers will tell you, if you spent above your limit, that's it. You couldn't, you know, overspend. And that's how come we were able to achieve, you know, the deficit numbers that we were doing deep reforms. Remember, right from day one, Professor Mills started with GRA, you know, reform 2009. Uh, we made... IRS and VAT in order that we could strengthen domestic tax administration. Mm. The customs became customs division. So um, we had deep revenue and expenditure. Yeah, but, 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 but the also, point I but, want to make, uh -huh. 
But the point, yeah, the point I also want to make is that we came in positive, and the reason I said we are proud. Remember, we left a lot of buffers. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, 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 those, 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 are, those are facts that we know. But what we don't know is <clears throat> how you personally managed to walk that fine line. Because, yes, you talk about John Mahama, but you were the finance minister um, at the time. I'm curious to know. And, you know, there's a story that has been told that Seth Tekbe was very stingy. Um, at the time, in terms of your ability to say no, even when the party had come to you, and rumors that people were actually trying to get you out in an election because you were standing in people's way to spend money to win an election. I want to tap into that for a second. What was it like as a finance minister in an election year like this? Because I we want to really understand what Ken will be going through in an election year. What was it like for well, you personally? I would be lying to you and the public, right, in saying that. You know, I take all the credit. If I didn't have the support of the president, and remember, we also had a former deputy minister and a governor as the chairman of the crown management team. Yes, it was quiet. You know, we wouldn't be seen to be talking, but we went to economic management team with a single, you know, he came to our economic policy coordinating committee meetings. He wasn't obliged to be there. He would be there with us you know, where we met, you know, and during the discussions and everything. So I would say it's teamwork. Yes. Um, did I take the brand of it? Oh, so I was in charge of the, you know, economic policies. And um, I hope that some education is coming today. Yes, but it wasn't popular back then. Uh, and I know that there has been, you know, quite a blame. But what we're doing was deep structural reforms and fiscal discipline. Right, and in addition to the uh, goals, uh, the objectives which we achieved, remember, as I was about to say, we left buffers. Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund had two fifteen million US dollars. Esla is bringing forty. Uh, we're bringing about sixty six billion by twenty twenty six because we didn't, you know, curtail it. Why haven't we used that, you know, to uh, through the election year to pay down the banking sector debt and others? You know, we left the sinking fund. Remember, it was during the same period that we spent 550 million US dollars in the sinking fund to pay off cash. The first of Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I'm issued by SSNC President before. And that's because we want it. Yeah. You know, if you are going to borrow, as I said, you have to, to set money aside. Election year or no election year. But are you can't borrow in election year, you know, which, which is going to happen now compared to 2020. You know, so 
I would say that uh, uh, Evans is, is not being, but I have support of, uh, let's not support from within, you know, a number of uh, people. Because remember, remember the uh, real sector ministers were also basking in things like Terminal 3, in things like the, you know, the harbor projects, uh, even some which has just spilled out the Akosomo railway line, you know, the mm. uh, bridge over the water. These were all loans which we were able to take. Remember, we were in a fund program. We were able to justify. And that is the question. Now, that's the question I want to put to Professor. Mm. I want, that's the question I want to put to, to your champ. You, Seth says, well, the last time we were in this situation, an election year with an IMF hanging over us and being a headmaster in controlling the economy, in essence... Well, we kept within our, our limit. The deficit was larger than the under check. But should he take the credit or IMF does? Because if you take 2016 out of the equation, you have other years of election when the IMF is around that we completely overshoot this, right? We are back in the same situation. The finance minister has been speaking to us and says, we're going to keep within our limits. The monies we'll get uh, after, after Friday hoping everything goes well, we'll go to the projects that we've already agreed we will use it for. How much of a credit should the IMF take for the 2016 scenario? And what, do you ex- what are your expectations this year in terms of keeping the discipline? Yeah, uh, good evening. Good evening, everyone. So I've been listening to the, to the conversation. Um, in other words, what you're basically saying is that if the IMF is not there, can we not take charge of our own destiny and do exactly. the very things that we should be doing. And if you actually look at the evidence, some of which you presented on the, it's quite clear that when we are under a fund program, the numbers begin to improve and there is some sustenance to that for, you know, a, a year or two afterwards. And then everything sort of goes, you know, downhill again, largely because you don't have any headmaster or anybody sort of checking uh, you. Uh, I, I understand where um, uh, Seth Tekba uh, is coming from uh, in terms of, okay, at the end of the day, whatever the IMF says, somebody's got to implement it, and there has to be a team to, to do that. And there was some evidence to show that some of the reforms have been implemented. And then even in the current program that we're in, some of the reforms are also still being implemented. But it comes down to really the question of the sustainability of those reforms um, outweighed an election year or indeed, you know, any other year. And that is where, again, if the IMF is not there, you tend to see major slippages in terms of uh, policy um, implementation and things like that. I just want to pick on two points that that have um, been mentioned in the conversation, one which is on structural reforms, and then the other one, which is on college fiscal discipline. And you can see that, okay, with or without an IMF, we've been implementing some of these reforms, and you can go back all the way to the mid-1980s, right? And there's some evidence of some of the outcomes of those reforms. But really, it is the question of the, the discipline, this temptation of our you know, uh, political class and spenders and I'm very sure that when Setepe was there, 2016, there was a lot of pressure on him by some of the ministries, you know, to spend. You know, we have to do this road overnight. You have to do this. And sometimes you have to balance some money somewhere to do something and all of that, right? But if you don't have laws 
and you don't have rules that constrain that sort of spending behavior, it becomes really, really difficult, you know, uh, to, to be able to, to do that. Hence why I think really for me, one of the key things that we should be pushing and advocating for um, by the close of public this quarter is that passage or amendment of the Fiscal Responsibility Act, right? To make certain provisions much tighter in a way that safeguards um, any extra budgetary spending that has not been, you know, budgeted for, uh, for, for that matter. Um, that would then give any finance minister the room at least to say no to some of these uh, pressures. The pressures would come, and it will come especially also when you realize that, look, the economy has been in, in a nosedive for the better part of about, you know, two years. Cost of living, inflation, uh, extra taxes, all of that stuff. And suddenly, even major projects have been stalled. Yeah. So there's this pressure now, right, really, for the next 10 or so months to spend. And, and that pressure is even going to become more exacerbated going into even probably the, the second and third quarter, you know, uh, of this year. But the way to check that is really some of the amendments that are being proposed um, under the fund program. And we have to get that to go to Parliament and be done AS, ASAP. Other than that, we'll struggle to be able to contain some of the, you know, excesses. Yeah, I mean, and, and Professor Bokwing, we've already had the finance minister looking forward to Friday and beyond. And we're expecting that once Friday's meeting is done at the uh, IMF Executive Board and approvals are given, next week, Wednesday, possibly, the $600 million should come in. That's not the only money that will come in. It will unlock others, the World Bank money, etc., the finance is already saying the projects that have stalled will commence. Now, bear in mind that this is an election year. You listen to him say that. That is positive, is it? That, of course, the, progress, pro, uh, the projects are going to restart in NS because money is going to come in. Or does it leave you worried as an economist knowing our history? Well, um, on one hand, it represents positive news. Right. Um, so these projects have been earmarked already. Um, the budget lines and all that. My concern is the issue of um, price development and whether the original budget will be able to deliver the same project given uh, inflation and all of that. But I think to the extent that these are ongoing projects are stored, we all look forward to their completion. So there shouldn't be so much of a, a big issue there. But, um, so I'm looking at the data uh, back to 2016. Yeah. Um, what happened to off balance sheet expenditures that were incurred in 2016, right? Which were not in the gift mix and all of that that were discovered and all of that. I think that um, not as large as it was reported and all of that, but I think generally. If you look at the, the macro data in 2016, you could see that part of the progress that had been made in the first year of implementation, the 2016 election year had effect, right, in terms of um, the, 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 the program target and all of that. And it was also because of the election year. So, so yes, it's election year. So, so, so you're don't... saying that in 2016, we still found traces of indiscipline that then became yes. uh, reasons for yes. our inability to meet the targets 
post elections. No, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't no. as long as the other no. years without IMF program. But I think that yes, if you look at GDP targets no. and then actually, if you look at other macro numbers and the rest of them, yes, you can still see some variation in there. And then the rate of uh, fiscal consolidation progress, you can also see slight variation in there. But of course. The IMF being in town also played a role. We can we can associate um, that also. But I think broadly, what we should be looking at is whether we have been able to build sufficient um, fiscal anchors that we can rely on. Because we cannot continue to outsource <laughs> all of this to IMF. We 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 are a Soviet nation and all of that. But I think that those are the things that we need to pay particular attention to. The competitiveness of the election also plays a role, right? Uh, also plays a role. And I believe that how we manage that is also very, very important. Um, because if you look at what we go through after almost all those competitive elections in restoring fiscal or macroeconomic stability, it becomes then costly. For, for ordinary Ghanaians and, and then private sector. So I think that's quite important. Um, the other bit that we need to be very careful of is the off-balance sheet expenditures that usually happen, that have to be verified after elections, that translate to arrears and the rest of them. Those are the things that we need to keep an eye on. But in terms of the central budgeting and the rest of them, usually... Uh, with IMF in town, the monitoring is very strong, so we need to keep an eye on, on, on that. The other bit also is that usually the last quarter of the election year, when it comes to um, enforcing revenue measures and the rest of them, there's, we see some level of weaknesses from there, and therefore your projected revenue tend not to yield the result as we, we had intended. So those are all issues. As in the politics, in and the politics year. affects the GRA's ability to be aggressive as they've been in non-election years. Yeah. Yes, yes. We've, we've seen that also from the data. Since 1992, we can see that. And then also, you also see some contracts that were probably awarded of balance sheets okay and to contractors and then after election then you have to verify audit and all of that i think part of that also plays out in terms of exaggeration of how we want to make the the losing party maybe look too bad right mm -hmm. and the rest of them so at the end all of that doesn't help in the management of expectations and all of that so we need to keep an eye on that the other bit also to look at is our target when it comes to inflation and what turns out to be the case, right? You can see the variation in almost all the election, competitive election years. You see that in there. So when we talk about maybe the fiscal discipline and how it plays out in the overall macroeconomic outcome, we, 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 we need to, we need to improve, right? And, and, and all of that works out to budget discipline and the rest of them. And then again, when you look at GDP forecast and then actual, you can also see, and then you can also see a rate of depreciation of the currency, right? In almost all the competitive election years. So you see how all of these things play out and all that compared to probably non-election years, you can see the variation. If you do the econometric analysis and see almost all the major elections, yes, Okay, you look at the fiscal deficit compared to the year before or two years before and after, you again see some level of variation that we need to 
So if you look at it over a period, you can say that, yes, uh, you will see some outliers like 2012, yeah. right? like 2020, like uh, to 2008 and the rest of it. Of course, you rightly mentioned 2004 because, of course, we're under HIPAC and the multilateral definition yeah. initiative and all of that. And the other good thing is that the 2004 election wasn't that competitive. The outcome was largely predictable. When it happens that way, the incumbent doesn't overspend to win over the electorates. But if you look at an election that was so close, like 2008, 2012, uh, 2016, um, of course, with I in town, we see that a bit of moderation. But then look at 2020, right? So 2020, even though the government blamed it on COVID, it was largely the election issue, right? And that is how come Ghana's uh, fiscal deficit in 2020 probably was, was, was the highest in Africa. Maybe Zambia came second or so, and all of that. So all of this, you see how the election plays out. But, but the ti- let's look at the timing for some of the positives that we've seen in the last one week. Now we have a situation where the bilateral creditors have given us this moratorium. Mm-hmm. So they delayed the uh, loan repayment by an additional four years from what we are reading. Now that gives us fiscal space um, to do a few yeah. things, right? Yeah. We have four years to pay, but the first year is an election year. Um, there's a lot of details that needs to be tidied up. Tidied up. What do you expect the space to do for this economy this year? I think it's just like the way we money traffic in Ghana, right? So you 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 are heading to Kumar, uh, Cape Coast, and the traffic is very heavy somewhere Kasua, and then we put a bridge or overhead over there and move the traffic closer to Budumbrim and and Portin and Winneba. So you make some savings, right? Drive fast across uh, uh, Kasua and the rest of them. But you go and meet the traffic and get further up there. So overall, from here to, let's say, uh, Cape Coast, you wouldn't have made any savings necessarily in terms of um, how much time you would have spent. So we have just asked for time, but we will will pay. I think what this should give us is to have a long-term plan, right, Uh, in terms of uh, a, a fiscal sustainability path. Okay, and, and, and have more, more discipline because at the end of the day, you're going to pay. Uh, it's not like it's, it's been cancelled. And remember, Evans, in 2004, where we had debt cancellation, bilateral, and then through HIPIC, and then 2006, when we had the multilateral debt relief initiative. You look at that time and now, how, how long is that? And we are back to this, this situation again, right? So, it is it's more about a plan that we want to put in place, right? And then so that, and also the relief that we are getting now. So the fact that we are not paying now, that is available for us. How do we spend it? Yeah, that's a big what question. What should be the level of, yes, the level of efficiency. And I think we should all be interested. One of the things that I felt we missed out uh, from the domestic debt restructuring was that we actually didn't use it as a bargain to ask for specific reforms. Right. So if you look at the fiscal space that was conferred on the state from the domestic debt restructuring from now to, to, to 2037, that's over 60 billion cities. That's fiscal space. How do we use that efficiently in, in, in easing the restrictions on the growth drivers of the economy rather than using it to reward labor and to fund other consumption-based expenditures that overall may not improve the cash flow generation capacity of the economy? Right, and then also, how do we use this space? So remember, from December to, to 2022, um, because we took advantage of the debt service suspension clause under the G20 Common Framework, 
Bank of Ghana is sitting on coupons that could have gone to creditors in excess of $2 billion, uh. right? So so that is how the relief under the program will be seen. What you should have paid this year, once you defer, what it means that it's available for you to use it this year. But how do you use it? How do you use it to enhance the cash flow generation capacity of the economy rather than using it to meet the pressures of labor, right? Another consumption-based spending. With that way, then you will not be efficient in how then you'll be undermining actually the growth potential of the economy and the rest of the and the other issue we need to also look at Evans is that we need to be deliberate about growing a taxable economy right so that if you are looking at your tax revenue to gdp ratio the question is whether you are growing a taxable economy right if you are not growing a taxable economy then the idea is that yes you, your revenue may not uh, scale up as your GDP grows, and that is what we've seen in Ghana, because the reality is that it's not every aspect of GDP and its re- mm-hmm. redistribution that is taxable. We need to be deliberate from that from that end to make sure that we are able to engineer growth from the labor-intensive sub-sectors of the economy. Then you also get the direct income tax, right? Then you also get the corporate income tax and the rest of them. Other than that, what we have been doing, right, is to burden the faithful few. The slightest challenges will go to the same uh, tax-paying po- population and just... just. I mean, and, and, that, and that's a conversation that we've, we've had for, for quite a while. And, and I'll bring in um, Satekba again onto some of the points you made about the challenges that we saw in 2016. Still, there were some, you know, challenges with, with discipline, with running of the economy. I'll, I'll come there. Seth, I know you want to say something there. But give me a second. Let me, let me bring in Theo. Theo, what, look in the crystal ball for me in terms of the prospects this year. Look at how the year has started with the good news that we've heard from what we expect on Friday, the World Bank unlocking of the money uh, that would also come in. Inflation is trending downwards, you know, in 20, in the mid-20s, etc. You, you look at that, but also look at the fact that it's happening in an election year. It's beginning an election year. And then you listen to the finance minister already talking about what you can expect in terms of the projects coming on board. Um, I, the same question I was asking earlier. Does that alarm you? Um, because we need, we're desperate, we, we're desperate for some good news, right? And it's coming. It's coming in an election year, which could have political benefits for the incumbent party. How they use that political benefit is a big question that we are trying to answer, which Prof is trying to say. What do you use the money for? What do you use the space for? Well, what do you say yeah, to that I mean- question? There's some good news, but I, I sort of worry that maybe it could be too little, too late, right? Uh, um, in, in terms of the what it means politically, and I'll come to that in a mm. in a moment. But Prof Bokping made uh, an important point. I think we also have to highlight on the off balance sheet expenditures, and you know one of the avenues for doing this, the state owned enterprises, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you see a lot of the SOEs in typical election years will be constructing roads, doing all sorts of things that typically you wouldn't capture that through the normal general government budget lines. Um, and it's only after election when we do some of these audits and you hear people are being chased for causing financial loss to the state, etc. before you begin to see that, ah, this is one of the avenues that a lot of the leakages are happening. So we need to pay very, very, very close attention to the spending from many of our SOEs. And then, of course, the point about the savings that have been made from 
they did that. And then also from what we're getting from this restructuring and all, and, and, and all of that. Um, if there is no clear deliberate plan to spend in terms of driving your productive capacity, then I can tell you that in this election year, a lot of it is going to go into the consumption things that Prof is talking about. So you will still see your big large billboards. You will still see the T-shirts and the food and the water and you name it, you know, um, being distributed. Even with the IMF in town? Of course. I mean, these are theories, but you've got no clear mechanism to put them or channel them into 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 productive, you know, uh, sectors in, in, in the economy. I'm saying this off the back of what we have seen historically. Mm. And nothing so far gives me sort of uh, an, an assurance or confidence that we're actually going to be able to constrain or restrain some of these spending. And that comes back to the last point you asked about, you know, prospects, right? Yeah. So, yes, you will see um, improvement in terms of some of the growth numbers and some of those growth prospects, but they're only going to stay at your macro level. It's not going to necessarily translate into any sort of improvement at the micro level and productivity gains and, and you name it. So in the next sort of three months, you're getting almost 1.15 billion yeah. from the um, IMF second tranche, 300 from uh, the World Bank, and then another 250 for the um, Financial Sector Stability Fund. But as we speak currently, ask yourself, has the government even paid its $350 million to, to start up this fund? I don't know. Uh, the last time I checked, it wasn't even there, right? So you, there are still major gaps. There are still major issues. We've not even talked about the, the uh, external commercial debt restructuring. Because per the government's own analysis and the IMF's own analysis, you are looking at almost getting what? Uh, that was 4.2 billion close of last year in terms of the financing gap. And you've only gotten about 1.2. If we even assume that the 600 coming now, for accounting purposes, you add it back to last year's number. The 2.5 that you're looking to get from your external creditors hasn't come through. And you need another 2.2 this year from your external commercial creditors, right? So the gap actually is going to be much, much, much bigger in terms of closure. And what that means ordinarily would have been that you have to constrain or cut back on a bit of your spending. But I don't see that happening in uh, an election that is going to be, in my view, one of the most competitive and closely fought, right? Mm. So then the argument now begins or begins to go into where are the channels or the pockets that we will see some of these savings and some of these quote-unquote spending happening. And one of the things that I think we need to check very, very carefully is through the state-owned enterprises because those off-balance sheet things, believe you me, when we come 2025 uh, um, with whatever government that is there and whatever review under the IMF program, you will see a number of state-owned enterprises that have been, you know, caught in, yeah. in, in, in that web. And, and, and that also then means, that also quickly lastly means that those targets that we have under the IMF program is meant to end 2026. I suspect the program will go into 2027-2028. Okay, and which means that your proposal, your suggestion is we're possibly going to miss our targets. 
and create a, a big, a, a much bigger challenge for whoever wins 2024 for 2025 going forward to manage. Yes, on on yeah. on the on the expenditure side of of things. Yeah, you will see it on growth, inflation, those things. The numbers are beginning to moderate. Yeah, but you won't see it improving livelihoods overnight. Okay, but you've got a major, you know, issue coming down where basically you've kicked the can down, down the, the line. Uh, uh, the uh, government uh, uh, that comes in will have to pick up the mess. Yeah, Prof. I Prof. Very briefly, in thirty seconds because I need to get set back into the conversation. You agree with that? That we we're most likely missing the targets and extending the IMF program, and whoever wins twenty twenty four is going to face a, a much bigger challenge with an IMF program with targets off track. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, well, we, yeah. we know that for a fact that, you know, two-thirds of the IMF money would have been spent, you know, by the time the next administration I'm going to give you the final word, but I wanted to get Prof. Bopping 30 seconds oh, on I'm that sorry, question. Yes. Prof, on that question. No, I thought I wanted... Yeah, yeah, okay. like, stay with me, Prof. I said, uh, Prof... Yeah. On that point, yeah, if is, is I, that is I that your prediction to, too? Yeah, I agree totally with Dr. Tua Champon. Um, from last year, when the program was approved and we analyzed it, our conclusion was that this program was designed with the extension in mind. Keep that in mind. But are we meeting our, our first three years targets? Considering uh, election year, there's there's, a, there's there's real risk that the 2024 may derail the program uh, outcome and probably to bring it back on track there's a possibility of, of, of an extension. Bear that in mind, yeah. Okay. Uh, you will see the reality of this in the last quarter of this year. The election really is gathering momentum, and I'm sure honor will be coming down very soon and all of that, right? But watch the space. The last four months of almost all the competitive election years, nobody manages anything in this country. That's not true. Uh, uh, yes, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, um, um, I have very little time, I know. Uh, yes, the reality which we know is that even in terms of the resources, two thirds of the money is going to be spent by 2024. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, whoever takes over in 2025, and we're going to face that reality, has little money with a lot of structural reforms that are, that are going to happen. In 2025, yeah. luckily, many of the structural reforms, like GIFMIS and the rest, they have been. Uh, uh, and uh, um, the one I'd like to mention is a contract database that counts payable, which is in a program. And, Prof, that is the basis for the overrun we were talking about. It was not an overrun. We were moving the country to what we call semi aqua And the truth is that what we call arrears. Is counting of arrears that are outstanding. It's the Ministry of Finance at the time of preparing the budget. Controller and Bank of Ghana. It didn't go back to the sector ministries. And so we said, that's what President Mahama calls the pipeline. When you hear him saying, when I come, I'm going to tackle the pipeline. This is the history of the pipeline. So we created the contract database to take inventory of all contracts that were in the sector ministries with a view to stretching, especially the capital projects, with a view to stretching them over the next three years to encumber the medium-term expenditure so that you are not spending when you have a pipeline. You spend on that pipeline. Now, what the government did was that when they came to power, they said we had left a debt of $7 billion off. And I can show you the numbers. We can do it. We can, I'll bring the numbers to, to studio if you want. They said we had done, we left $7 billion 
they did an offset of five billion and carried forward only two billion. Unlike, unlike single spine, when we calculated our years, spread it over three years, and everybody saw visibly what we were. And let me also tell you, Prof, that the same thing has been done. That contract base has been in existence. The fund demanded it in 2021. 